This is a question for anybody over the age of 40. If you ran into someone you hadn't seen in 10 years or more, and they said, wow, you haven't changed a bit. How would you feel? I imagine if they were sincere about it, you would feel pretty good about yourselves. We like to think we look younger than we really are. But now, what if you ran into the same person and instead of talking about what you look like on the outside, they were referring to your spiritual growth, who you are as a person, your ability to forgive, to love, your development of kindness or compassion, your generosity, your faith journey, or your relationship with God. Imagine that person saying, wow, you haven't changed a bit. Thanks a lot. That would be a different story, wouldn't it? Life moves forward, whether we like it or not. Instead of watching us become stagnant and stuck in the past, God hopes for us that we will learn from our experience, both the good and the bad, and that we will open our hearts to what Christ can do in and through us. Our gospel story starts with the calling of Levi, the tax collector. As you may have heard me say before, tax collectors were absolutely loathed in the time of Jesus. They don't get a great reputation now, but then they were considered very evil people. You see, the people around them were under the very brutal occupation of Rome. And those in power in Rome demanded all sorts of taxes, often ones that crushed the poor. Locals were employed to do the work of collecting taxes, and they could set their own rates. They could charge more than the Romans expected and keep the difference, which they usually did. As you can imagine, Levi is seen as a traitor to his own people. No one wants to be seen even talking to him, much less sitting down at the table and eating with him. The Pharisees are understandably upset when Jesus joins Levi and his friends for a meal, even more tax collectors, and even invites Levi to become one of his disciples. Some people today think that Levi was another name for Matthew, but we can't be sure. But the problem here is guilt by association. People judge you sometimes by the company you keep. Because the Pharisees see Jesus as a man of faith, a holy man worthy of engaging in discussion and debate with them, they can't understand how he would demean himself in this way. Only Jesus sees something the Pharisees can't see. He sees beyond the things we do in our lives, beyond our brokenness, beyond our mistakes, to the heart within. He explains that he has come to heal us, to call us out of sin into new life. As a Jewish man, Jesus knows and respects the laws of Moses, but looks upon every law through the lens of love. From the perspective of the transforming power of love, 
Jesus doesn't want to, to abolish the Pharisees' faith. He wants to expand it. In the parable of the wineskins, Jesus tries to explain what he has just done. You see, wineskins in the first century were made out of sewing goat skins together to make a bag that could be sealed watertight. And as the wine fermented, the gases would stretch the wineskins. If you put new wine in those already stretched out wineskins, they wouldn't be able to stand up to the pressure and they would burst. The bags would be lost, the wine would be lost. Yes, old wine tastes good, but if you have no container to put the new wine, eventually you will run out and be left with no wine at all. Surely, this parable applies to the church today, as much as it did to the Pharisees in their time. Pastors can tell you that in every church, with no exceptions, folks can be resistant to change. We are used to hearing choruses of, but we've never done it that way before. Since the values of today's world do not embrace church participation very much, certainly not in the same way it did 20 years ago, fewer people see the point of even being a part of a church, of a community of faith. Accordingly, numbers have declined in almost every church, and it is tempting to blame the decline of members on change. Only the opposite is usually the problem. Now, of course, there are things in our heritage, in our tradition, in the history of our local church, in our past at Southminster that are of great value and worth holding on to. At the same time, if we just continue to drink the wine that we know and love, eventually it will run out and there will be nothing left. If we stop listening to the prodding of the Holy Spirit and refuse to change when God is calling us in a new direction, we will be forever stuck in the past. Most of the churches that closed forever during the pandemic did so because they weren't willing to think outside the box. They weren't willing to consider the possibilities, the new ways that God might be calling them to engage in worship and ministry. Through the prophet Isaiah, God said, behold, I am doing a new thing. And in John's vision in the book of Revelation, we hear God proclaiming, behold, I make all things new. God is all about possibilities. In this church and in our individual lives, can we be open to what the Holy Spirit might create in us? Throughout the Bible, God calls folks to go to places they don't want to go, to do things they don't particularly want to do. Yet by that God's grace, they are always given the ability and the strength to do it. If instead of allowing ourselves to be led by our fears, we let ourselves be led by the Spirit, Imagine what God could do in and through us. The upstart monk, Martin Luther, understood that. His intention had not been to break away from the Catholic Church of the 16th century, but to reform it. He felt that they weren't listening to God anymore and that the church was losing its ability to speak meaningfully to the lives of average people. That is a challenge. 
both for churches today and for us as individuals. Are we listening to God? Are we willing to make changes when they are needed so that we can reach people with the good news of the gospel? We're tag teaming the sermon this morning. Uh, Two for the price of one, isn't that great? (laughs) It's, It's change, it's something different. Scripture and church history are the story of God innovating and changing over time to get our attention, to win our devotion, not because God needs it, but because God wants it. And you know, if we weren't so thick, God would already have our devotion, our praise, our love, our lives, but we are thick individually and collectively, and so we are ever being formed and reformed. Uh, There's something beautiful and true and good in the God who chooses to love us and to be in the world with us. Uh, And this is the solid, unchanging truth of our faith and our hope. Everything else changes in the world, but this we can hold on to and trust. God loves you and God loves this beautiful, broken world. But because everything else changes, God adapts. When God chose Abraham and Sarah and related to the world through Israel, the chosen people, well, that had never been done before. When God brought Israel out of slavery in Egypt and made covenant with them and gave them laws and commandments on Mount Sinai, God was innovating, uh, reforming God's approach and forming God's own people. And those people, thick as we are, grew impatient, waiting for Moses. What should we do, they wonder. I know, someone said, let's make a statue of this powerful and mighty God and we will praise it and appease it by making offerings to it. Now, it's easy to be judgmental of them now with millennia of history to look back on, but you know, the people of Israel at Sinai were only doing what people up to that point had always done to honor the gods. And this is the danger. If we, like Israel, get stuck, stuck in the way things have always been done, uh, stuck in the ways we've always done this or that, the danger, if we get stuck, is that we will miss the innovative movement of God's spirit and be left behind. Uh, There's a bridge in Honduras that was a marvel of its day. Built in the 1930s, this bridge was fantastic. It is fantastic, except for one thing. In 1998, Hurricane Mitch barreled through Central America, and in its deluge, by the power of wind and torrential rain, that river cut a new path. And that fantastic bridge was left spanning nothing but dry ground. Now, they eventually built a a new highway, but for five years, the Cholatuca was known as the bridge to nowhere. This is why God innovates and why the church, church must do so, too, so that we aren't left with structures that do not meet modern or current reality. What we celebrate today on Heritage Sunday is the particular shape, the innovation that the gospel took when it traveled when it was incarnated in uh, the Celtic lands, what is now known as Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. We are celebrating the way the gospel inhabited the mindset of uh, the the time and the people there. 
You see, the gospel of Christ has an incredible ability, uh, like a shapeshifter, like a key that fits every door, to be translated into any language, to take on the form of any culture, to become local, and to address that culture from within. We celebrate with drums and bagpipes today and the calling of the clans, not because we're all Scottish, but because this is the stream of faith that formed and created Presbyterian Church USA. We celebrate the way the Protestant Reformation took shape in Scotland as John Knox introduced uh, the Reformed theology of John Calvin and Reformation principles took on particular life-giving shape there. Principles like salvation as a free gift of God, not as something earned. Uh, the understanding of Christ as mediator, not as priest or saint. And finally, the value and validity of reading the Bible in one's own language. There it is, the translatability of the Bible and the good news is a Reformation principle. We celebrate, too, the ways these influences were brought by Presbyterians to this new world. And we celebrate, above everything else, the way this journey plays out in culture after culture and place after place as the gospel takes root and grows into a form that is both local and genuine to that place and time, to this place and time. This incarnational, shape-shifting nature of the gospel is good news because it is the same gospel that takes root and grows in you and in me. It is the same gospel that opens the doors of our hearts and enters in, not as something foreign, but something that takes root and grows. In the early church, believers were trying to figure out what it meant to live as Christians in a world dominated by Rome. In the 16th century, reformers were considering how the church could better relate to and undergird the faith of regular people sitting in the pews. In today's world, the struggle can be just as daunting. We're trying to figure out how to live as Christians, how to be a community of faith in a world where there are plenty of people who think we're a joke. In a world where values like wealth and power, fame, and proving our own politics seem to be dominant priorities. What God has taught us in Jesus Christ is that the key to how we make a difference is love. It sounds so simplistic, but to truly live with Christ-like love is one of the hardest, most challenging things in the world. It is also the most fulfilling. Long ago, a man named Stanley Jones, who was a missionary in India for 60 years, became a friend of Gandhi. And one day he asked Gandhi, what advice can you give me for how Christians can be a force for good in India, a positive influence in the life and the culture of the people? And Gandhi said, begin to live more like Jesus Christ. Emphasize love and make it your working force, for love is central to Christianity. In our reading from Galatians, we are told how we can fulfill the law of God by loving our neighbor. 
Bear one another's burdens. Don't give up on trying to do the right thing, the loving thing. You see, love not only helps others, but love changes us. Yeah, that love, that love, which is God's uh, greatest innovation, that love and God's spirit changes us. Uh, All this talk about change and innovation sounds like, well, it sounds a little like work. It sounds a little unpleasant. It sounds like something I don't want to do. Frankly, it sounds impossible. But with God, all things are possible. God is love. God's love changes us so we can change. God's love changes us so we can reach out to others. God's love is so infectious, we can't help but share it and show it. God's love changes us for the better. God's love changes us and is changing the world. The good news is that even when we grow stagnant, God is innovative and God's love will find a way. Thanks be to God. Amen.